All right, nice little treat here, Kevin. I haven't seen you in a while. How you doing? I'm good, guys. Nice to uh, nice to be with you guys. I guess this is the first time uh, I'm joining you since your what is this your uh, first year in the podcast? Now. Yeah, episode. Yeah. I don't even know what episode it is. It's like 79, maybe 79. 80. I wow, couldn't it's even... like a regular season, 82 game. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. Now? Are you holding yeah. up all right? Yeah, we're coming up on six months here, and uh, it's been it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Well, I hope your conditioning levels up to handle it. I am sure you guys are in tip top shape right now. Well, we just spoke. <laughs> we just spoke to Jr. and he wanted us to make sure he said hello to you. Yeah, best. He's the he, best. He yeah, uh, he, he had a lot of nice things to say, but he said you guys sat beside each other in in um, Phoenix. Yeah, I got traded there and, you know, I, I, you know, playing against GR, you're like, oh, this guy's, he's always yapping. He's such a good player. He's competes so hard. You're like, oh, I can't stand this guy. No, no, no. Honestly, what did you think of him? Yeah, you could say it. That's what I thought. Like this guy's like, oh, hated him. But then I got traded there. The best guy ever. So funny in the locker room. Great teammate, great team guy. You know, he was awesome. So he's, he's a guy I still run into here and there and, um, laugh every time we talk. He's a good man. Yeah, we uh, we told him we were going to be talking to you, and we're like, anything we should ask Kevin Adams. So he he we have a couple of questions specifically for you from him. But uh, how are you doing? I mean, you must be. I, I don't even know what word I would use to describe how you must be feeling right now about your team. Well, I think uh, you know, I think I like the fact that we're starting to become more consistent. Uh, I like the fact that our guys really care about each other and they're competing hard. And you've, you've, uh, you guys have heard me, I mean, you've known me a long time, but you've heard me say this before, you know, I really believe that culture precedes results. And I could see the culture piece was uh, early, you know, through training camp and even, you know, early in the season when uh, maybe it wasn't translating to on ice success, but I could see what was going on with, how much the guys care about each other, how hard they're competing in practice, the habits, all those things. So um, I like the direction that we got a long way to go. We got to keep, you know, elevating kind of that standard, our daily, you know, personal standard has to get higher and higher. And that's, that's how um, you push each other. So we got a long way to go, but I like, I like where we're headed and the consistency that we're starting to play with. How, how stressful was the Jack Eichel situation? You know, and, and I don't, I certainly don't want to talk about Jack, but I, you know, it, it, uh, you know, as a young GM, you know, and, and trying to navigate his way through, um, basically, a it's a, it's a difficult trade to make because you're always thinking in the back of your mind, I'm never going to win this because I'm, I'm supposedly giving away the greatest player and, uh, you know, navigating through many months of this, how stressful was that for you and, and, and your group? Well, I think the, the stressful part, Rivs, was that, you know, I really did understand that this was franchise changing type of, of move, you know, just because how it all shakes out, what the pieces are. So that that certainly was always in the back of my mind or front of my mind, I should say. But I think what, what made it more challenging, the situation was was a few things. One, it became very public, which creates, you know certain challenges that you don't necessarily um, need. It was very, um, there were a lot of layers to it. There was the medical piece. There was, you know, salary. There was, you know, who could handle it from other teams. It's during the season, not the offseason. I mean, there was just so many different things going on. Um, but at the end of the day, um, 
there was great communication from the very beginning and from myself to Jack directly, uh, to Jack's original agents that were involved in the process. Um, there was, I was as direct and honest as I could be explaining our position and where we were. I do think when, when Jack, you know, made a transition and Pat Brisson got involved, um, that certainly helped the process. He is a, he is a great, um, communicator. He's extremely bright. He's, he's been in a lot of different situations. So that was, uh, that was helpful. Um, we built a strong relationship through that process, but yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, but I felt strongly that, you know, we had to be patient. We couldn't compromise on what we needed to do. Um, and I know <laughs> some, maybe our fans or people were, were wondering and why was it taking so long? And, but for me, it was never about the time. It was about the right time. Where, was there, was there ever a deal bef- before the Vegas deal that, that could have been done? Or was that the first chance that you saw to, to strike? Um, well, yeah, that's a tough question to answer because there was a, there was a lot of conversations for a long time about, you know, potentially it could be this, but I would say like, you know, we were down the road in certain situations with, with, you know, opportunities to do it, but it was never like, you know, Hey, this is the, you know, we're going to do this tonight at six. And then it fell apart, you know? Um, but if you mean specifically with other teams, that's the way I would look at it. You know, it certainly picked up around the draft. There was a lot of conversations. There was, you know, you potential that thought, okay, this could happen. Um, but again, I go back to, we were not going to compromise for just, it just, we couldn't, uh, it was too important for a franchise. And that's, that's why it took the amount of time it did. I'll let Craig take over. I just have one more question but, uh, just about this. Craig started, I wasn't even going to go down Jack's path with no, Kev, but yeah, no, the, the only, the only question I have, and it's, and, and I just don't understand it is how do agents, um, I guess, get so involved in trades. I never, I never knew this. I, I never was a player that needed an agent to get involved to facilitate a deal, but how, like, I mean, I know he made the switch, but, but what can agents do to maybe help move a process along? Well, they, to be honest with you, it depends on the contractual situation of players in, you know, if they have a, a Taylor Hall the year before had a no move clause. So yeah. the agent becomes very instrumental. Darren Ferris at the time, because ultimately he held the cards in terms of deciding where you'd like to go. And, you know, so that's, that's depends on the situation. Um, for this situation in particular, it was less about, um, you know, involved or trying to broker a deal. It was more just about communication, you know, and just open and honest communication with him to explain, uh, especially with Pat towards the end of explaining exactly where we were at, exactly our position. I wasn't, um, he didn't want any no details of players or teams. That wasn't his role in this. It was more just um, making sure that, you know, he was asking the questions that Jack, you know, wanted answered. And I also had direct conversations with Jack. I, I, you know, you guys know me, I think for me, it's, it's be honest, be open, um, talk directly to people and do the right thing. Um, And that's what we tried to do. On a side note, do you think they'll ever, ever get rid of uh, the no move clause? Well, because <laughs> well, God, that would open up a, a business for for UGMs. I mean, I think it just handcuffs uh, so much in today's game. Yeah, well, I, I don't know the answer to that, Riz, but I I do know that it it certainly creates uh, uh, challenges. You know, yeah. let's put it that way, and uh, it's something that um, you know Taylor's situation. Situation was a little unique in the no move clause because we were able to get him on a one year contract. 
you know, so that was kind of where our compromise was on that. Um, and it, you know, felt it made sense. Now, you know, we'll see how it shakes out moving forward, but I don't know. I'm sure it'll be a conversation, you know, the league and the player association deal with, but certainly from a player standpoint, you know, you, you like, if you have it, because, um, and, you know, it helps your situation. I think they're so, terrible, but let's, uh, let's get out of the too. past and, and into the present here, because you got a, you got a lot of great things happening, Kevin. And I, I don't think anybody saw um, you, your team playing as well as they are uh, at all this year. I don't, I don't think anybody really knew what to expect. And lately it's been, you, you've had some players that have really come out of their shell and really taken off. Tage Thompson's one. You got Jeff Skinner seems to be back. Darlene seems to look like he is a different player from two months ago to today. I mean, what, what's happened? What's clicked? Well, you, you guys played a long time and, and you know this, when you walk into a locker room and you feel you belong and you feel you're part of something special and you can be yourself and whatever that is, whatever yourself is, if you're quiet or you're serious, you're funny. I'm imagine PD, you were pretty chatty in the locker room, but you know, very like, quiet guy, you can, very quiet. You can, you can be yourself. You're creating uh, a culture and an environment of putting players in a position to succeed then there needs to be a standard that everybody has to believe in and, and elevate to every single day. And then it goes along with that as accountability, accountability to yourself, accountability to the guy next to you. And that's what we're working towards. And I have to say, I got to give, um, you know, Kyle Akposo and Zemgis Gergitsen a ton of credit, you know, guys that have been here, leaders, but then you bring in certain guys, and this is why we targeted guys in the offseason like Craig Anderson, Mark Pissick, um, Benny Hinnestroza. Like these are guys that are glue guys. They're they're high character. They hold themselves to a high standard and the players around them. And then I feel when you look at the young talent we have, they've been in a position where the coaching staff has continued to help them um, improve, get better every day. Donnie Granato and the staff, I think, have done a great job of, of clearly explaining what's expected of individuals very clearly. This is what I expect of you. This is how you're going to get there. And then also, you know, take it a step further of what's expected of the team. So when you put it all together, it puts our, our team in a position to grow. Um, we've met challenges and we have a long way to go. You know, we have... Um, this is a great stretch we're in right now because you're playing, you know, Florida, Carolina, you're feeling that pace, you're feeling that, you know, the top of the league, what it, what it's like. And it's another great challenge for guys to keep getting better. You know, it's interesting. We uh, sit here on the podcast the last couple of weeks and we've, uh, you know, talked about uh, so many, so many important games, uh, the game against the Toronto Maple Leafs in the Buffalo building and winning that five one. And for the first time in a long time, there's some, some belief that uh, good things can happen. And you just, you watch the evolution of the team, you know, that playing, playing Toronto on another game a week and a half later in Toronto, where you're thinking to yourself, this one's going to be a blowout. Toronto's going to come back and really whip them. And you look at what's happened in some of these big games. Um, the team's played exceptionally well. And it comes to this week, and you're looking at Nashville as one of the top teams in the West. You're looking at Florida that you have to play twice. Carolina, you have to play twice. These are, these are two of the top three teams in the National Hockey League. It's incredible what the team has done because you can actually, as a fan, and we are all fans now watching the game, you can see that this is a team. And we have not seen it. You can actually visually see the way they play 
um, the enjoyment they have in the competition level that they're playing at. And you can see right now what's happening, the evolution of this team. Um, you know, one question that I have for you at the deadline, everybody was thinking, you know, the team's, uh, the team's in a certain spot. You're thinking that let's trade off our, our, some of our assets, you know, get some draft picks. And you elected to keep this team together because you could have traded two, three, four more pieces. Why? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a great question. And, I, and, and I'll give you my best, but I, I want to back up to the first thing you said there. One of the things we've talked about in our room is earning the respect of our fans. You know, and for you to say that, it means a lot because you're watching the game and you see <clears throat> what the players are doing day in and day out. Um, but we knew going into this year, we have to earn everything. We have to earn the respect of our fans. We have to earn the respect of the media. We have to earn the respect of the league. You know, and we're, we're working on that. We're getting better. We're, we're pushing hard to do that. So as we were leading up to the deadline, the year before, the first draft when I was in this role, I think we had, I want to say five draft picks. And I, you know, I've used this analogy before. I felt like we were playing the draft shorthanded. You know, it felt like you just don't have the capital to be able to do certain things. And, and it's tough. Last year, we made a decision to try to push and get as many, acquire as many assets as we could um, to give ourselves a better you know, spot in the draft, to have more prospects, build up the pipeline, uh, make sure the foundation of what we're trying to build here is strong and sustainable um, for the future. So as I looked, as we came up to the deadline this year, you weigh everything. Um, we, we have three first round picks um, from previous deals we had made. We have, you know, we had moved Robert Hag, you know, a little bit there um, to add another pick. But what I ultimately felt really strongly about, and it's not just me, it's the group and our management group and uh, Terry and Kim involved, is we needed to push the, the last 18 games hard um, coming out of the deadline. We needed to um, improve as a team. We needed to um, take steps that our players can feel that we're, we're on the right path. And I just felt that where we were, if we were to move some key pieces for late draft picks or, you know, something that really maybe didn't um, ultimately make sense um, for what we needed right in front of us, I just didn't think it was the right thing to do. And, um, you know, I, I think our players, it was a little bit of a message to our players too, that, you know, we owe you the opportunity to keep pushing and keep getting better. Um, and you guys know you've lived through deadlines when, you know, a number of guys are gone at the deadline. It does, they're your, they're your brothers, you know, you're battling with them every day. And, um, uh, some guys you don't care, but you know, some, <laughs> no, some guys, you have the garbage bag packed for them when they're, when right. they're dealt, <laughs> you're literally yeah. carrying the bag. <laughs> Who are you kidding, Kevin? Thing. Not every guy rolls out the door and you're like, Oh, that's too bad. He's gone. Um, yeah. I, so I know you're not going to show us your hand. But with the way the team's playing right now, are you looking at this offseason at building your team and acquiring some pieces that might make you believe and feel like you're playoff ready or at least aim for that wild card spot? Yeah, for, for me, it's it's like completely about um, setting our guys up for success and building. You know, so we have a young core. We've talked a lot about that. We want to identify the young core. What I want to make sure we're very careful of is is boxing out young players, taking away valuable development time from young players, doing something that maybe um, improves the team in the short term, but ends up, you know, 
hurting us a little bit longer term. We want to really be disciplined and stay away from those, those types of things. Um, and then the other part is we want to make sure anyone that we bring into this organization, we bring into our locker room fits, they fit the culture, they fit, they buy in, you know, like you guys, you guys know, having played here, you had, there was a connection <clears throat> previous teams in this organization have had with the fan base. I felt strongly that we had lost that connection, that we were, there was something missing um, from our team to the connectivity of our fan base. So anybody we bring in has to be additive. They have to, they have to want to be here for the right reason. They have to love to put that Jersey on. They have to look up in the three hundreds and see people that truly care about Buffalo Sabres and what it means to be in this city. So all of that matters. And it, it's all part of how we're building. Do you have guys in mind? Like, I know you're not going to tell us, but do you have guys, are you targeting guys right now that you know would be perfect fits to help advance this team in the locker room and on the ice? Well, I, I, yeah. So what we do PD is, you know, we'll have a list of potential players that um, would be under contract already with teams that we think fit, you know, and when we, when we talk about fit, it's all of that. It's What's their, what's their scouting profile? When we look at what we need and what they do on the ice, does it fit? What's the data, you know, look like from an analytics standpoint, what do they do? Like, are they, are they positive, you know, to help the team win hockey games ultimately? And then the third piece is what are they like as a human being? What is, what do they do every day? What are their habits? What are their practice habits? Um, How do they handle themselves off ice? You know, are they doing the right things? Are they going to teach Dylan Cousins or Jack Quinn or Rasmus Dahlin, the right things every day. I mean, those, that's really important. So you, you put it all together. Um, and yeah, you certainly have a list. You have players that maybe you'd be interested in our teams that you talk about potentially acquiring there's free agents, there's, you know, all those things. So yeah, you do, you do your work before. Um, and then just because you have them high on a list doesn't mean you can get them either. You know, that's, yeah. uh, it's the, that's the part. Sometimes I think people forget. It's not just, you know, snap your finger and the players on your team. So yeah. uh, we'll be prepared for that. Well, listen, Kev, um, you know, I know you're the GM of the Buffalo Sabres, but uh, PD and I are also the couch GMs of uh, the After the Whistle podcast. So if you want to go over our list that we have here, just uh, let me know. <laughs> all right, I'm in. But, you know, talking about guys in the off season, maybe guys that you can go out, market, um, free agent market, guys with term contract. Those are those are one aspect of making your team better. Right. Um, but there's also there's also opportunity, I think, for some young players that uh, have have had great seasons. You know, you can look at Jack Quinn, um, who is a 20 year old guy that uh, came to the minors. And he is just I mean, he has he you know, outdone your expectations for his first year as a pro hockey player? Oh, he's, he's been tremendous. And, you know, what he's, what he's doing in the American Hockey League is, is very rare at his age. Yeah. Uh, it it's, gets us pretty excited. But I guess and on one hand, um, you know, we're excited. On the other hand, I'm not totally surprised. The type of kid Jack is, he is very curious. He asks questions. He wants to learn. He wants to get better. He, uh, his work ethic is, you know, off the charts, you know, like you can ask Seth Eppert, you know, he'll get in early in the morning and he'll in the shooting room in Rochester, he'll hear the puck, you know, being ripped at seven in the morning and there's Jack shooting pucks for an hour. And you know, this is just the type of kid he is. And he's, he's an unbelievable um, teammate. You know, he's become a leader at 20 years old, which wow. is very yeah. rare in the American hockey league as well. So yeah, it gets you excited. And I, I guess what, what I'm trying to say is that's exactly my point of, you want to balance, you want to de- help develop this young core 
you don't want to block guys. You don't want to take ice time away and development yeah. opportunities away, even if it's in the short term going to help because we want to set this up for long-term sustainable success. What area, what area does he need to continue to develop in the short term so he can be a full-time NHL player? Yeah, he, so what I like about Jack is he's very self-aware as well. He has a incredible ability to quickly dissect his game after and talk to you about, this is where I was good. I like the way I, you know, moved the puck in this area. got my, you know, got two shots in this area. I like, boom, boom, boom. but this is where I need to do better. And so I love that honesty and self-awareness out of him. You know, I think part of it ribs for him is just the ability as a goal scorer and an offensive player to be able to separate yourself from guys, the big, strong defensemen. Um, how do you create room for yourself? Because you guys know, like just that little split second difference in the NHL versus the AHL. So how do you get yourself in those spots? Um, how do you hold off a defenseman that's 220 pounds and still, you know, be able to snap the puck? So those are things that, you know, we've talked about. And I know Seth and uh, Peck's down there. And Webby have worked pretty hard on with him, but um, no, there's a lot to like. He's a, he's an exciting player for us, and um, we're we're pretty we're pretty excited. We have we know you've got a ten o'clock meeting, but not that we really care about it, but we'll respect it. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the <laughs> chuckle there, Kevin. A lot of fans right now talking about Devin Levi returning back to Northeastern. Um, Eric Portillo in Michigan, Owen Power, and Ryan Johnson. Uh, apparently, you're going to be talking with them at the Frozen Four coming up. What can you tell us about all their futures? Um, should we expect to see them in the Sabres organization next year? And then I have a question about captaincy after that. But, um, you know, those those young players. Yeah, so a lot to be excited about with those guys. I'll be headed to Boston tomorrow um, for the Frozen Four. You know, we have four players, which is, which is great. Four of our guys to go watch um, between Michigan and Minnesota. Um, you know, if I start with Devin though, he, what he did this year in college hockey was pretty special, um, and pretty impressive. And here's another player that is, uh, extremely detailed, um, knows exactly what he, what he, where he wants to go and how he's going to get there. And I love the maturity out of him at, you know, 20 years old, the way he handles himself. We've had great conversations all year. Um, I've gotten to know him. Uh, Seamus Kodak's done a great job building a relationship, our development um, and the goaltending side. Um, so there's been a lot of open, honest communication. And he knows how we feel about him and how we feel strongly. He's going to be a big part of this organization in the future. The key to the whole thing with Devin was we wanted to make sure that he knew we were supportive either way. If he felt it was the right thing for him to go back to school, to keep working on his game and the environment that he felt he was going to thrive in. We're totally comfortable with that. And we made it, made that clear to him. Um, but you know, where we sit right now is we're pretty excited that we got him, Um, and we look forward to him, you know, joining us, um, when he's ready. So, you know, when I look at the other guys, you mentioned, um, Portillo, another, you know, had a great year. You know, I, I will tell you that, uh, um, talking to Mel Pearson, the coach, head coach of Michigan, he said, you know, we have all these phenomenal players, including Owen Power, the number one overall pick, and he's had a great year and we're super excited about, you know, him and what he's doing. He said, you know, at times he said our MVP was Eric Portillo, just, just so solid every night and just making sure he was shutting the door when we needed that big save. Six foot six, athletic, moves well. Um, he's another one that he knows how we feel about him. We, we've been very 
careful with our, especially our college guys to let them be present, to not be distracting them in any way, to be um, helping them, but not overbearing in any way, just to make sure they know that we're here. We support them. um, We have conversations, but we want to make sure they're focused on what they're doing. They have an unbelievable opportunity, you know, to go do something pretty special, but we'll have those conversations. And then like, as you mentioned, Johnson similar with Minnesota, Um, he's had a really strong year. He's been in that top D pair, um, and, you know, played a really nice, solid season. We think he's a really good prospect. So we'll see where it kind of shakes out you know, over the next few days. Did the Sabres fan base uh, expect to see Owen Power in the lineup? Well, I, <laughs> I've, I've, I'm not going to dodge the question, but what I can tell you is I've stayed, and I, and I gave my word to Mel Pearson in Michigan, I've stayed away from anything publicly with Owen all year because I just feel it out of respect yeah. for Michigan and him. We owe that to him. He's uh, he, he knows how we feel. Um, we're excited and, you know, um, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Awesome. I bet the, I bet the papers are hot off the, the printer. If they even have printers anymore, uh, fax machine or uh, photocopiers, captaincy. How important is a captain for this team next year? Will there be a captain named whether whoever it is, is one thing, but will there be a captain named? Well, I think if you, if you back up PD to training camp, what was really important was to provide stability, uh, make sure that we empowered, whether you had a letter on your jersey or not, we, we empowered the group to be leaders. And I think that's where I go back to. I think what Kyle like Poso and Zemga Skirtinson have done this year is, is really impressive in terms of just guiding and leading. Uh, Kyle like Poso is, you know, about as good of a pro as you could find unbelievable human being um, cares so much about this organization. Um, so, you know, Donnie and I have talked about that. Um, we'll have that conversation in the off season. Um, certainly, you know, it's something that you guys know, like, just because you have a C or an A, um, it, it can't one change who you are as a person. And just because you don't have one, it doesn't mean you're not a leader. And that's the type of culture we want. We want, whether it's a guy in his first or second year, if he has something to stay, stand up and say it. And I believe when you have that type of environment, then now you're creating something special. Well, you created something special by joining us today and we're going to let you go right on time. And last thing I will say to you, we are representing Marty Wilford and we told him that we would tell you that it's time for him to already get an extension after his interview with us the other day. We're taking 10%, by the way, five each. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hey, I mean, you know, I know you guys got your hands full with the podcast, but if you guys, you know, get certified and you want to start negotiating, let me know. No certification needed. Kevin, thank you so much for your time today, man. You're the best. All right. Have a great day, guys. We'll see you around. Take care. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at The Instigator76. You can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.